Well, it's time for full disclosure with the Better Government Association's David Greising joining us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. And for Jim Leach, who usually takes over for full disclosure, he's off this week. So you got me, Greg Bishop. David, thanks for taking time as always. How are you guys doing up there? Uh, doing okay, Greg. It's uh, it's uh, sort of winter, sort of spring. So <laughs> Silico is in Chicago this time of year. Well, we got fog down here and expecting thunderstorms and a little bit of a cool down before we get some sunshine and mild mm. temperatures. Um, so, you know, one of the things I definitely want to talk about uh, is, of course, one year into COVID-19. Uh, the governor, his orders, 12 months consecutive orders, I think 14 altogether. Uh, but it has been uh, a pretty tumultuous time in the uh, uh, aspect of public health, uh, but also in the economy. Uh, so where have we come from the past 12 months here? Well, goodness, uh, the governor hold a, held a series of um, interviews on the on the one-year anniversary of COVID in which he talked about some of his toughest decisions, and most of them related to COVID and, you know, the initial shutdown um, of restaurant service, for example, and then five days later, the stay-at-home order which has been contested in the courts. Mainly, he's won pretty much all of that. Uh, but it has given rise to a lot of political pushback downstate Illinois in particular. And then meanwhile, we have this huge uh, financial impact of COVID uh, on economic activity in the state. Uh, the, the Illinois needed to borrow more than $3 billion from the federal reserve lending program. We were the only state to take money uh, from the Fed. And... Um, uh, that's a sign of Illinois' ongoing huge fiscal problems. And in fact, the majority of the money that comes in under this massive federal bailout program, the $1.9 trillion bailout program, will go toward paying back the Fed loan. And it, people are assuming it'll have a huge stimulative effect on government spending in the economy, but really there's not going to be that much money left over once that uh, what, what remains of about $3 billion is paid off. Yeah, especially when you consider uh, you've got about $5 billion of unpaid bills, last I checked, uh, and Republicans are pushing to have all of that money uh, go right to those unpaid bills uh, and and warning about not setting up new programs with this one-time funding. Uh, as somebody who's watched the state legislature for as long as you have, David, with the uh, Better Government Association, what do you anticipate happening with all of these dollars? Do you think that uh, that advice to pay down debt will be heeded, or uh, do you foresee that uh, they may want to create new programs? like uh, grant dollars going out to businesses or uh, a variety of other types of things? Well, uh, one of the biggest uh, kind of hanging items right now is, is education. Uh, the state is two years behind on its evidence-based funding formula that was passed in 2017. And the one thing that both parties seem to agree on with regard to any sort of new spending is that education spending uh, is much needed. Now, there will be some money uh, to go directly to schools from the federal government, mainly to cover COVID-related costs. So uh, even so, I would just keep an eye on education. Some of the grant programs you're asking about, there will be some push from Democrats to do so. Uh, but the idea of paying down the the government, the $5 billion or so in unpaid bills, $5.6 I think, at last count, is that um, uh, Illinois is on the verge of being uh, having a junk-rated debt, the only state in the union to uh, be at risk of doing so and would be the only state to ever have junk-rated or the only state to have junk-rated debt. Um, 
there's a valid argument to be made to pay down those bills, uh, especially if Susanna Mendoza, the controller, can accomplish what she did last time, which was use Medicaid match in order to get more bang for the buck. She paid $2 billion, which ended up reducing the, eliminate the uh, unpaid bills by $3.4 billion because the federal government matched that. Well, and, and, and so David, that, too, you also have to consider the uh, you, you, you also have to consider the the income or rather the uh, um, uh uh, the, the rate of uh, um, the what's the word I'm looking for the interest that's <laughs> on some of yeah. those bills those backlog bills it could be 12 percent a year uh, and uh, getting that that paid off could could provide some substantial savings for taxpayers yes absolutely and um, not to mention that uh, a lot of the vendors that are not being paid are our businesses right. here in the state of Illinois so there's sort of a double benefit from paying down those bills. Now, those who argue that the purpose of the stimulus package, of the bailout package, is to stimulate the economy, and you don't really stimulate the economy by paying your bills, uh, there's a valid argument there. There's no multiplier effect from paying bills unless you do consider that some of that money goes to businesses. But the argument of let's not start up with a bunch of programs that actually cost us more money uh, is, I think, a valid one, especially in a state that's been as free spending is the state of Illinois. So this will be quite an interesting uh, arm wrestle over the next uh, you know, number of weeks as the legislature ultimately decides what budget to return to the governor. Well, and we'll be here on the ground and also watching virtually as a lot of these hearings are taking place via Zoom and all online for people to see. Uh, so we'll see just how uh, much detail they get into with those virtual hearings. Whole lot of other things going on with the Better Government Association. Joining us is David Greising. I'm Greg Bishop on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Uh, something else that's going to be going on here in Springfield this afternoon, David, uh, you've got a committee hearing with the uh, Senate uh, redistricting committee, and it uh, looks like they're going to start doing something, but they can't really do much, can they? At this point, David, Redistrict yeah, they don't have any census data. Redistricting it. Yeah. Uh, right, exactly. And, and yet they face a June 30th deadline that is written into the Constitution of the state of Illinois. And so uh, they're, they're sort of caught right now. There's, there's a belief that... Uh, Perhaps the maps will be drawn sort of with a close enough uh, um, borders and go back and fix them perhaps when data comes in. That's a possibility. Uh, if they don't make that June 30th deadline, then the process goes to a redistricting commission that would have a more balanced uh, representation on it than has been traditional in the state of Illinois. And the Democrats are looking at this redistricting as an opportunity to reorganize the political map a, a bit, um, to uh, make more secure Democratic districts. Uh, Illinois loses one district because of population loss. And right now we have 13 Democratic congressional districts and five Republican districts. They're aiming to make that 14 districts for the Dems and three for the Republicans. And so there's a lot on the line right now in this whole redistricting battle. There will be many, many hearings. This is the first of many. There will think uh, more than 20, if I if I have that right, um, uh, hearings before it's all over and done. But um, uh, the first one is always quite important, gets a lot of attention. 
We're talking with David Grising, Better Government Association, here on Full Disclosure with the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop. And when it comes to the redistricting, of course, we're waiting on census data, waiting to see exactly how much population we have lost and uh, whether we're going to lose one or possibly even two uh, congressmen. Uh, it's always been uh, speculated now after uh, 10 years of collecting all this data. Um, but, uh, David, the, the, the idea of a fair map uh, has been floated. And I've asked around what they mean by fair. Uh, I'm going to try to get that question into the governor today, but uh, what what would be a fair map, uh, especially when considering that uh, you, know, you might expand a downstate congressional district to be probably one of the largest geographic districts in the U.S.? Uh, how how right. is that fair? Well, uh, that's the big question, and that's uh, the, the dodge that the politicians use uh by not being specific about what they mean would be a fair map. The Better Government Association, we have published uh, a, a fair map criteria that we think uh, you know abides by best practices in mapping. In fact, last year we published a map of our own that shows what a fair map, uh, Illinois congressional map, would look like using the last census data. And uh, some of these odd-looking districts um, like Mike Quigley's district, that they, it's called the earmuffs because it's it's so uh, basically encircles part of downtown uh, Chicago um, with its earmuffs. Um, uh, th- those are clearly gerrymandered in order to keep people in position. So, in our view, one thing that you would do with the fair map is to um, be draw the maps without reference to where incumbents uh, live. Right now, the process starts with sticking pins in the map and looking at where the incumbents live, and the parties then deciding, well, we're going to get rid of this incumbent and we're going to protect this incumbent. That's not the way the process is supposed to work. There's a lot of concern about uh, minority representation. You can draw a fair map that, that still protects minority districts. That is considered fair mapping, and and, it, and that sort of redistricting has stood up against court challenges. Well, and, and to that, I mean, it seems the assumption is, and I've heard from even even Speaker Welch talking about this is, uh, and even uh, you know Senate President Don Harmon talking about this, uh, they seem to indicate that uh, the minority vote is Democratic vote. Well, yes. I mean, the, 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 so far, we are seeing the growth of a Republican uh, voting uh, Latinx uh, community. The, the Latinx vote has tr- drifted a little bit more conservative in the last couple of elections and during even—, even uh, uh, voting for President Trump, many many people in the last go around, and so that that assumption is not necessarily going to hold forever. But for the time being, yes, a, a minority district tends to be Democratic voting, at least in the state of Illinois. David Grising with the Better Government Association. We got to take a break, but coming back, something that uh, the BGA has been integral in over the many years is making better government more transparent. So we got to talk about Sunshine Week. All right. Sure thing. Let's do that. Sunshine week. It's an important week. I think it should be all year round, though, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, But uh, tell us what Sunshine Week's all about and why it's not just important to news media, but also the general public. Well, Sunshine Week started with a group called the American Society of News Editors uh, promoting the idea that uh, open government is so important to the functioning of effective and accountable government. And uh, one of the one of the biggest tools for doing that, of course, is the Freedom of Information Act. And as you said, Greg, uh, it shouldn't just be Sunshine Week; it should be Sunshine Life. Um, this is one of the most important tools of accountability 
in government, and the BGA devotes extensive resources to fighting for open government. We, in the last several years, we have knocked down bills that sought to restrict access to public records. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, backing and forthing with regard to, for example, police records and whether uh, there ought to be access to disciplinary files for police officers. There was an effort in the legislature last year to limit access to older records of discipline. And one of the basic tenets of tracking down a, a, an officer's behavior is what they call a practice of uh, uh, behavior that, that is concerning. And when you look at a, a police force, for example, you can develop patterns and in practice investigations. If those records are eliminated, as was sought to, as was sought last year, there's no way to establish a pattern and practice uh, uh, claim, and you can't hold a police force accountable. That's just one example of the many, many ways in which records are very important. Public access to records is extremely important. The BGA is the leader of the statewide Freedom of Information Act coalition, and we and other organizations in the state fight to maintain public access to public records, open and accountable government, uh, enforcement of the Open Meetings Act as well. Those things are all important for us to know that the people in Springfield working in this legislature work for us, not the other way around. David, how's COVID-19 impacted all of this? Uh, right. I mean, because you look at like the courts, they essentially went to a slow halt, I think, up in Cook County. They're actually going to have their first jury called in, right. in a year or something. So, I mean, how has COVID-19 impacted government transparency? Well, the, your specific question, the county court system has functioned through virtual, through Zoom trials uh, during most of uh, the, the COVID year, um, but it is reopening. And, and we're seeing the gradual reopening of many functions of both uh, business and government. Uh, in Springfield, it's going to be a little bit tricky. The, the lobbyists in the legislature are complaining about their very strict limitations on their ability to be in the Capitol Dome. The same thing uh, uh Reporters have been yep. facing restrictions as well, they, um, uh, which uh, is understandable in the sense that um, uh, we're still not out of the woods as regards the danger of this uh, horrible va uh, virus. But, but open government is still very, very important. And we expect and demand the same access to any public meeting as people who are in the legislature are given under the law. The Open Meetings Act requires meetings to be uh, to be open uh, to to the public, and and the press is part of the public, and and so uh, this is something that uh, by and large we feel we've we've negotiated this okay, but this tricky period of transition back to a more open uh, system is is going to to demand close monitoring as well, um, so that we make sure that we have eyes and ears on every public meeting, uh, on anything that happens in the legislature, as if we were back in the old days when people weren't wearing masks and everybody felt safe being within six feet of each other. David Greising, Better Government Association here for full disclosure. We've got about a minute left, and all the great work that the Better Government Association does can be found online. Give us all the details and how people can contact you if they've got questions, tips, or uh, suggestions. Right. Our website covers a lot of the topics that you and I talk about or that Jim Leach and I talk about uh, week by week. And uh, the website is uh, uh, bettergov.org. And if people want to reach me, I'm uh, dgreising, D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G, at bettergov.org. David Greising, Better Government Association. Uh, enjoyed it. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon, all right? I hope so, Greg. Enjoyed talking. Uh, have a good week.